0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
1: The Athletic.
2: Live from the wreckage of a game called football, it's the Totally Football Show. Today, Agnelli, Perez, Glazer and co., Make a bold bid for something never seen in football before, making UEFA look like the good guys. With the rest of football united against them, we get the latest score after the first day's action. Meanwhile, Jose Mourinho available. Who'll be the first in Europe to snatch him up? I said Jose Mourinho available. Who'll be the first in Europe to snatch him up? And Bayern. With Hansi Flick, good Bayern. Will Spurs snatch their replacement? We take a look at that. Some of the quaint old-timey traditional contests still running, like the Copa del Rey final and Rant and fume and more in this Totally Football show in association with Paddy Power. Listener, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Let's see, it's April the 20th, we've got Raphael Honigstein here. Hello. Alvaro Romeo. Hello. Also James Horncastle. Hi, James. No Julian Laurent today. We do have Pedro Pinto joining us very, very shortly. It's Monday afternoon as we get together, so... Pretty happy with my first day running PR for the new Super League, but every chance that by the time you hear this, it's dropping, I think, early Tuesday, there will have been at least three new life-changing stories that will appear. (laughs) Anyway, as things stand, item one is, of course, the Super League. Hard, really, to think about anything else right now. We've all heard the news. Things have been moving fast on this Tuesday afternoon. There are still 12 teams in, but... uh, Others saying that they wouldn't join. So, one day in, as I say, what is the score? Who's currently winning? (laughs) Football? (laughs) Is it, though, James? Is (laughs) it? So, one early stumbling block for this nascent league is the fact that you've already had some major clubs declaring that there's absolutely no way that they would be involved. Uh, Paris Saint-Germain and Bayern Munich. Is this, do you think, going to become a thing with, with clubs joining one side or the other? Or do you think that the likes of PSG and Bayern are just waiting to see which way the the wind blows?
3: Bayern certainly have have made it quite clear that they're backing the official version of the new Super League, the Champions League reform version, and uh, can therefore not be part of the other one. And the same is true of Dortmund. Whether things will change in the future, who knows? But as of now, I think they have um, some serious misgivings about the way this has come about. I think they're not 100% sure that this is commercially viable. And of course, there are all the political considerations. You know, Bayern are a majority fan-owned, uh, Borussia Dortmund, the club within the PLC uh, is fan-controlled. And all these are issues that are hugely unpopular in Germany and I think it would be almost impossible for Bayern and Dublin to pull this out without being chased out of the league so they feel even if perhaps deep down they would like to find a way of somehow being involved and getting that money I think realistically they just don't see a way of doing it so they've taken a pragmatic view which is to be out of it I'm not sure how much of a conviction or concern for the greater good really is at the heart of it but I guess the outcome is still a welcome one because their voice carries weight.
2: Mm, absolutely. In Italy, uh, it's Juventus, Inter and Milan. James, as somebody who's had quite a lot of contact with Juve and Agnelli, how surprised are you at his role in, in all this and and the state of these plans and the way they've been presented after all this time?
4: Well, I think Agnelli, as chairman of the ECA, which he was until uh, Sunday night when uh, he resigned and, and walked away. Yeah, has been the lightning rod, I suppose, for a lot of these these proposals. I mean, Agnelli feels very strongly that Italian football and European football needs uh, needs reform because the system is is is, is broken. Um, yeah, I think Agnelli seems to be very deeply concerned by this idea that uh, new generations just don't follow football or they're, they've got more things going on in their lives. They're more distracted. They don't sit down or, and, and watch games in the way that my generation did or your generation did, James. Um, and, and and that seems to be very, very much. Damn. Um, don't
2: think I didn't see what, you know. <laughs>
4: <laughs> that seems to be very much where, where, where he is willing to have these conversations, which, right. let's, let's be honest, have been going on for a long time now. Hmm. And after having so long to talk about this, I mean, I was very disappointed by the branding. Um, uh, and, uh, and if that's the amount of effort that's gone into the, the logo, which, uh, you yeah, know, let's, let's not beat around the bush here. The colours were pretty much the same colour scheme as the Champions League. Um, they're that sort of blue and pink kind of thing going on. You know, what's what work have they done on the numbers? Because I think uh, unless they have... Uh, a uh, a media backer someone who is, is going to help them distribute this um this league um someone who's going to help them finance it because ultimately JP Morgan is is putting up money for them and they're going to expect a return on their investment so how how are they how are they going to get that at this moment in time um you know I don't know unless a a Facebook gets involved, the YouTube gets involved, and Amazon gets involved. Obviously, we've seen Amazon make forays into into broadcasting football recently, um, but at the moment, there's no clarity on on where this European Super League would be shown. Um, and surely, they must have had talks or been in discussion with a media partner if they were to to do what they've done, which is to 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 essentially go out on their
2: own. A reaction continues to be vehemently against the idea. You've got a Premier League meeting due to be held on Tuesday with only 14 clubs, not the six Super League ones. In Spain, Alvaro, I see some big players coming out against it. Real Betis on their website taking the three renegade sides out of their
5: division standings, which coincidentally puts Real Betis into third place. Which Yes, I know. Uh, Sevilla will win the title, by the way, so I don't know if Betis fans will be liking that very much. Ah. But, uh, you know, I was thinking that nothing about the Super League is very surprising here. I mean, uh, football fans, people, uh, your Twitter followers, uh, this podcast, uh, fan base, uh, each reporter we know, and we know how they were going to react about this. And uh, normally the reaction has been rather negative. Or if anything, there has been this, uh, okay, tell me more reaction, but it hasn't been positive. And uh, yet the clubs have... uh, done it, you know, despite the negative reaction, 12 clubs uh, have gone ahead with it and uh, it makes you think that if they do it it's because they have everything well settled and they know exactly what they are doing, you know Uh, they knew that there was going to be a negative reaction and they have gone with it, with the proceedings, and uh, the reactions in Spain to this Super League have been so predictable as well. Javier Tebas um, literally was saying that the gurus of the Super League PowerPoint are exiting the darkness of the bar at 5 a.m., you know, uh, in a very, very spectral uh, comment. Then uh, you got um, La Liga saying that this was pretty much unacceptable uh, and that they will do everything in their hand to, to stop it, you know. Uh, But the truth is that uh, Real Madrid, Barcelona and Atlético de Madrid, they've been plotting this for years and uh, Florentino Pérez is going to be the president. (laughs) He's going to be the president of this, the president of Real Madrid. And uh, it's astonishing uh, the lack of criticism that Florentino Pérez is getting for this. And now, by the way, I kind of understand why he rushed the elections for Real Madrid, which is something that I thought I was going to talk about uh, today, but not in relation to the Superliga. Basically, Florentino Pérez called elections on the 1st of April, and last week he became Real Madrid president, because there was nobody who had the time to prepare an opposition, a candidacy, and present himself for the election. So, Florentino... Now you think that it's logical that and it's obvious that he didn't want to have these elections for Real Madrid in June because he knew that the Super League was was going to be on top of the table. That would be the main main subject and probably many Real Madrid socios would uh, oppose to it. But now that uh, Florentino is the president of Real Madrid, Uh, He can be the president of the Super League and Mm -hmm. no one is going to oppose that Uh, so he's got four years ahead of him to basically rule Real Madrid and uh, probably rule the Super League as well. I don't know if this is 100% sure but there is a likelihood that Barcelona and Real Madrid will have to pass through their own assembly to validate to play in the Super League or not. So this is an important thing as well. Let's don't forget that Atletico de Madrid, since it doesn't belong to the members, uh, wouldn't have to do that because uh, it's a regular enterprise like any other club. But Barcelona and Real Madrid, they are still different.
2: James, raising the notion that this plan that they've been hatching for years, possibly even decades, might not actually be that economically watertight. This is an organisation led by Agnelli, Perez and Joel Glazer so what that means about its kind of management and its acumen I don't know raffle what's your take on the viability of the Super League?
3: Well it all depends on on how it's going to come about because if the National League say yes you can do that but then you can't play for us anymore I think that the clubs would not survive this if some of the broadcasters like BT did for example today come out and say they don't they don't support this competition or some big sponsors say we we can't support this then i think people would get very nervous and you know it promises a lot of money for what is a very unproven concept because we simply don't know if the demand for the same kind of teams playing each other all the time without any significant uh, fluctuation is is really there especially if those teams then um, don't have any real domestic competition uh, left over. So, I, I I don't know. It seems like a, a huge gamble um, for all sorts of reasons. I think it's also very possible that the European Union will, will find that this is illegal uh, when it comes to competition law because it is a cartel. You know, if you are Ars Roma or Leverkusen or... Um, or one of the French teams or one of the smaller Spanish sides, you have a very small chance of ever being part of this. Is that fair? Is that the the right way to to foster competition? So I think there are huge regulatory and financial and legal implications. And I'm not sure that the, uh, you know, burning down the palace that you already have, as far as the Champions League is concerned, for the promise of moving into a bigger one, is is really that enticing.
2: Mm-hmm. It's interesting actually to note that the, the viewing figures for the Champions League and its current format, which to a large extent does pit the same teams against each other year on, year out, has fallen significantly, partly because of the places that you can now watch it or not watch it, but it's not something that has necessarily been retaining its audience as it moved to a kind of more pay-per-view format. Well, Monday saw strong suggestions from UEFA, that the 12 clubs will be immediately dismissed from all UEFA club competitions. Is that really a genuine threat? What is the strategy from Europe's current governing body? Pedro Pinto, former head of comms for UEFA, and a man who knows Chefferin very well, is in Montreux right now and he joins us on the line. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Pedro, first of all, thanks so much for joining us on a busy day. Um, there's been talk of kicking clubs out of tournaments this season. Is that real?
1: If the UEFA president has made that threat, then it's real. I think he uh, added a caveat which uh, indicates that they haven't had that much time to actually look at all the legal uh, ramifications and the, the process that they would follow to make that happen. Um, but um, having a look at the way the UEFA competitions are are organised... Um, they they do own the right to admit clubs uh, who need licensing to uh, participate, and and I would think they'll they'll look at ways and they'll look at the contracts and and, and see uh, how they could sanction them both in club competitions such as the Champions League, Europa League, and the new Conference League, and and also the the, the Euro and 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 other competitions that that they organise. So. Um, uh, I think if it wasn't an option, then the president certainly wouldn't have made that threat. He's not that kind of person. Okay. Uh, What is the mood there? And to what
2: extent were they slightly underwhelmed by the first responses from their sister uh, governing
1: body, FIFA? So I would start with disbelief. Uh, When I landed in in Switzerland, the, the bomb was dropped shortly after. And considering that Uh, the European Club Association had agreed to the format changes that UEFA uh, proposed and then presented today on Friday afternoon to find out that suddenly 12 of those clubs who had allegedly agreed to that deal had basically ran away. Um, There was disbelief. Um, After that, I think it was very much a switch into a a solution-oriented plan, focusing on the solution and not the problem. And at this morning's executive... A committee meeting um, that there were very strong words uh, uh, from the ex-co uh, relating to the way that these clubs should be condemned. And and, and we saw that in the press conference from the, from the president afterwards, whether it's uh, calling them the dirty dozen or saying that they spat in the face of everybody who loves the game, um, really uh, uh, um, accusing people like uh, uh, Ed Woodward and, and uh, Andrea Agnelli of being liars and not being able to be trusted. Um, so I think I, I think uh, that there, is, there is very much an open war at the moment and it'll be interesting to see what the next steps are. Uh, UEFA have obviously taken a fairly strong
2: public position. Behind the scenes, what is the strategy?
1: I'd be lying if I knew, uh, uh, James. I think here is where the real work starts. So it's speaking with lawyers, speaking with uh, stakeholders to see uh, what can be done, uniting the ones who did not break away. And uh, I, I think UEFA believes that there's strength in numbers and numbers are on their side. And I think the reaction from fans is very encouraging. The reaction from stakeholders is encouraging. But the reaction from a lot of players who have uh, come out and and, and supported uh, the uh, open football pyramid uh, that is under attack. We're talking about the integrity of the game suddenly being questioned and uh, private equity money thinking that they can buy a game which has existed for for centuries. And perhaps some of these owners that aren't familiar with the history of European football should uh, uh, brush up on their uh, uh, Google skills and Wikipedia skills and, and have a look. And then maybe they'll uh, uh, understand the, the reaction that we've seen from the football community.
2: How, how realistic do you think the prospect of intervention from the EU, for example, might
1: be? I think there's a a, a realistic uh, prospect regarding the the unanimous support that the the UEFA president uh, has received in in previous uh, meetings that they've had uh, to guarantee competitive balance and open uh, competition. Um, I do do think that there's a lot of pressure on FIFA, going back to a a previous question. Uh, There's a lot of pressure on FIFA uh, to be stronger in their words and to be a little bit more concrete on what their uh, sanctions could be as well, because um, FIFA president Gianni Infantino will speak at the UEFA Congress on, on Tuesday. And uh, Alexander Cheffrin definitely uh, passed over a hot potato to him saying that he expects that, that condemnation. So I do think, James, and I, I understand what, what you mean uh, uh, when you mention bodies like FIFA, like the European Commission, like the European Union. I think football legislators need to have a look at what can be done legally um, to, to ensure that football competitions remain open to all.
3: Hi, Pedro. Can you explain the timing of this? Because the clubs, the big clubs, who were still part of the ECA at the time, agreed or at least signaled their agreement to the reforms only then to change their mind or at least come clean a day before. it is a strange way of doing it. They could have just said all along they don't agree the reforms and just gone by themselves. What's, what's happened? Is there one is there any way of explaining why this has come about in this weird way?
1: It's crazy. I think we all cover football for for enough years to to understand how weird this whole process has been where the president of the ECA turns off his phone moments after telling the UEFA president, that any speculation about a Super League is rumors and saying that they have agreed to the conditions and disappearing and going off and being quoted in a press release for the new Super League 48 hours later. I I can't explain it. Uh, I I initially thought like maybe you did that it could be a bargaining tool to get better uh, conditions for the new cycle of the the Champions League from 2024 but that's not the case. You have a look at the at the statement and the the quotes, and they're breaking away. This is what they've decided to do. The question is, after the the backlash from from UEFA, from governments, from fans, from players, uh, if if all of those clubs will hold their nerve and turn their back on on their communities and 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 follow the path of of the dollar.
2: What do you think, Pedro? Do you think in six months we'll be looking at a totally raised a a totally changed football landscape or will we be talking about that weird week back in lockdown in April when some clubs tried to do a coup and it didn't work out?
1: You're putting a lot of pressure on me and my crystal ball here James. Uh, (laughs) uh, I hope it's the latter Um, and and the UEFA president today uh, kept the door open for some of these clubs to come back uh, once they see the mistake that they've made uh, let's see if that happens. Uh, uh, and again, I think that there's a huge uh, uh, cultural factor at play here, with many of these owners being American, uh, and 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 perhaps not seeing the big deal about a closed league like most of the leagues in the states are. Mm. And and clubs who are in dire financial straits who see this as their salvation uh, to balancing the books, and that ultimately will speak louder. But. How many of them will it be and how long before they realize people will get tired of watching them play each other without uh, uh, the the sanctioned support of any organizing body?
2: It's an interesting point about the American League structure. The likes of the NBA or NHL or NFL, of course, hugely successful and closed shops but there's a there's a difference there and james uh, you had a, a interview recently with jim palotta who's was owner of roma isn't anymore and as such was slightly freer perhaps to talk about these things but i think one thing that's key to all those leagues is that they have a they have a kind of inbuilt rebalancing system which is the draft which wouldn't exist in uh, the super league so you would essentially have this incredibly stagnant pull i don't know uh, how much excitement people find about watching old firm games anymore when they they face each other all the time i wonder how much it would be the the same way what was jim palotta's take on this though james
4: well i mean palotta was very frank that he had talks with a uh, another organization which was looking to set up a super league what four years ago remember there was that document leaked that had certain founding members uh, named on it i think there's an element of fomo uh, for some clubs, in in signing up on this, in that they don't want to be seen to miss out. I think it's it's interesting to see the positions of Paris Saint Germain uh, and the two German clubs uh, and how differently their financial structured and how that might have motivated their decisions to decline an uh, invitation. Um, but Jim Palotta's view is very much that. I think a lot of these owners are underestimating the cultural element uh, of, of football and and how people like jeopardy that you see in uh, leagues with promotion and relegation. How even with uh, questions about competitive balance at the moment, you know you have curious quirks every every uh, every weekend. I mean, we saw it on on Sunday when Atalanta, um, who have a mid-table budget in City A, were able to to defeat Juventus. Um, yeah, Atalanta, uh, a team that was the last Italian team standing last year, and yet, you know, I don't want to put, uh, don't want to go back over those infamous words that Andrea Agnelli made uh, a year or so ago at the Business of Football conference here in London uh, about, uh, you know, should a, a club with uh, like Atalanta that doesn't have the history and tradition of say a, a Roma, um, should they be competing in the in the Champions League? You know, I think. What's really curious about Agnelli's position is he is not an American who is new to football. Um, He is not someone from a, a state wealth fund who is looking at a club for soft power reasons. His family have owned Juventus since 1923. He's grown up around football. He should understand it better than most. So uh, to, 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 to see him be at the forefront of these, these discussions for the last five years and take this decision, I think is, is um, to follow, I think, because I think that's one of the curious things uh, recently about, about, about this decision is when it came to talking about the reforms of the Champions League, he was like promoting this Ajax idea, very keen to signal that the Swiss model was an Ajax idea I think now at the moment, it very much feels that this is US and Florentino Perez led. And so, yeah, I find that whole dynamic equally, equally fascinating. But I think for, for, for these clubs to believe that um, yeah, people's experience, what new fans want from football is essentially a EA Sports FIFA 15 minutes of football. You know, me and Rafa, Rafa will pick Bayern, I'll pick PSG and we'll play each other. I, I, I don't think that works in the real world. Well, uh, I might be wrong. I might be a 37-year-old man who's grown up, uh, <laughs> grown up watching football a certain way, and people younger than me think differently. But you're, you're, it's curious. you're a
2: legacy fan, uh, James. But I do wonder um, <laughs> whether there's been any talk about whether the Super League will have VAR because if they were to drop that, that could be a game changer in terms of public support. Uh, just wondering. Um, You you mentioned that is talking uh, in Switzerland on Tuesday to the UEFA conference, Pedro, and there's the Premier League meeting on Tuesday. I'm sure there's a billion other things that are going to be happening this day as well. What do you think the next kind of decisive staging post in this story will be?
1: I think there'll be a lot of lawyers looking at a lot of contracts um, to see what is possible and to see how concrete a lot of these sanctions can can be. um, Because Knowing the UA for president like I do, as a former criminal lawyer and someone who uh, is not going to make empty promises or threats, I think he wants to be sure that that he has measures he can apply, and he'll have the the backing of of not only the the football community, but like I said, governments and other institutions who can who can uh, support them. I think they'll they'll look at a way of of trying to block this league, and if they can't block the league, then they'll block the people that participate in it.
5: We know that uh, some of the teams that are still involved in European football this season, they are part of this breakaway group. If the Champions League was going to be played tomorrow or this week, I think with this level of friction, it would have been really, really difficult. And uh, definitely the press conferences, they would have been really, really, really toxic. I wonder if uh, something is going to change quickly within the next 10 days. And if... uh, if some agreements will be done express really quickly in order to fix this before the Champions League and the Europa League semifinals? Because UEFA could also say that uh, they can stop the Champions League right now for these clubs. Because basically they have said that they don't want to keep on playing football with them.
1: It's a great question, Alvaro. Um, I, I, I can't answer it. Again, I think... Uh, and, and the UEFA president said, we haven't had time yet to look at this properly. We had a statement in the middle of the night we woke up trying to make sense of it all. He said he received a letter from someone from the Super League who he uh, said was not signed, so it must come from a super person. Um, uh, but they're trying to make sense of it all still because the way that this was communicated as well from the Super League has been very artificial. And uh, uh, you even see the way that the that, that, that players from those clubs have reacted where nobody was consulted, management wasn't consulted, and and, and and so therefore, yes, that that the next week or so is going to be really intense of of, of meetings and conversations happening uh, uh, behind the scenes, um, and 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 people want to make sure they they study the cases properly before they uh, uh, set a path for for those for those consequences.
5: Pedro Pinto, Avro. Only one comment. There. To what James Horncastle said before, um, I refuse to to give Florentino Perez all the blame here. Really, I, I really do because uh, yes, he has been plotting this, but Agnelli has been as well. Let's not forget that Bartomeu, uh, former Barcelona president, gave the green light to this a long time ago, um, and in fact, his last words as Barcelona president were that uh, he had registered the team for the Super League, and. Uh, the project big picture in the Premier League, by the way, was leaked to the Telegraph, was it? Uh, so I think that every single club involved in here is almost equally responsible. I mean, the amount of guilt and the level, the degree of guilt between the 12 clubs have to be shared here, because all of them, they are they are part of it.
2: Mm. It's like Murder on the Orange Express when they all had the dagger, no? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> anyway, well, there you go. It's a sorry business. I'm not going to lie, listener, but... Uh... Fingers crossed maybe, maybe some good will come out of it. Right now, though, let's park the Super League and get a belated roundup of some moments of the weekend with Paddy Power. Pa.
3: Rafa. Well, there is definitely one and only one moment of the weekend, James, and that is Hansi Flick's bombshell interview after uh, winning at Wolfsburg. He came clean live on German television saying that he had told both the team and the club that he was going to get released or wanting to get released from his contract at the end of the season, and uh, that really created uh, huge shockwaves. Until Sunday, when another story became <laughs> became even bigger. <laughs>
2: All right, then. Well, we'll have more on the Bayern breakup very shortly in Italy, James. The big story.
4: Well, I touched on it. Uh, Atlanta beating Juventus for the first time in two decades uh, for it to come at the time that it did uh, was was very uh, ironic, I would say um, uh, given what Andieli had said in the past uh, I suppose if you want to look further down the table, James there was that crazy 4-3 uh, win for Cagliari against Parma where they were 3-1 down in stoppage time and they, they managed to win 4-3 in that relegation six-pointer and you had... Two players in tears at the end. Yasmin Kurtic, Parma midfielder, João Pedro Caleri striker, both former teammates consoling each other.
2: Heartbreaking. And then, of course, you had the Inzaghi derby as well. Ah, The Inzaghi derby. We'll come on to all of that later on. Alvaro, anything you want
5: to mention? Anything you don't want to mention from this weekend? I wouldn't want to mention that the Athletic Club Bilbao they have lost their fifth or sixth Spanish Cup final in a row um, but that, that happened unfortunately because Barcelona was excellent against them and they are the deserved champions of the Copa del Rey they beat Atletico Club Bilbao 4 nil and Lionel Messi was again astonishing he didn't score in El Clásico but here in the final he made the difference and he scored one of the nice goals of his career I, I wouldn't say one of the best because he has scored many like this but uh, his goal against uh, Barcelona one of them the first one uh, was uh, one of those Uh, vintage goals of Lionel Messi doing a solo run and it was was definitely worth watching it certainly was
2: alright we'll get onto that soon as well next up though something from a little bit of North London the Totally
0: Football Show European Edition's Moment of the Weekend. Brought to you by Paddy Power. Defenses may be looking shaky at the moment, but Paddy's offers are rock solid. If one leg of your four-plus fold acker lets you down, get a free bet. Max free bet £10. Minimum odds 1 to 5 per leg. Online exclusive. No shop bets. T and C's apply. plus Begumbleaware.org. A
2: quiet news day on Monday morning was shattered by word from Tottenham Hotspur that they had ruthlessly sacked Jose Mourinho. Our sister podcast, The View from the Lane, is dropping a big edition on this Tuesday. So if you're a Spurs head, get on that. But from a European perspective, what does this mean? And how much substance is there to reports that the current favourite to take over from Mourinho, although the job is currently being done by Ryan Mason and Chris Powell in temporary roles, is Julian Nagelsmann, the same Julian Nagelsmann, who, of course, Bayern Munich had earmarked to take over from Hansi Flick, Rafa.
3: Yes, and uh, if I was a Spurs fan, I would do many things, but not better than Julian Nagelsmann arriving uh, for a number of reasons. Um, The most important one that he really, I think, has his eye very much on the Bayern job. Uh, If he can't get it, it's because Leipzig won't release him. And I don't think that will be sweetened somehow or find a different outcome with him with them saying you know what you can't go to Bayern but you can go to Spurs instead it just doesn't doesn't look realistic to me
2: although Spurs would be in the Super League which Bayern aren't so that's your answer Uh,
3: well I didn't uh, of course calculate uh, that uh, that factor you're right that might move move things into a different (laughs) direction Um, yeah the, the big question is you know will Leipzig will Leipzig release him because to do so would really send send a pretty difficult or or problematic message, if you will. You know, Dayo Opamekano, one of the best players, is going to Bayern. If you let the manager go as well, then what kind of signal does that send to the rest of the squad? What does that do for your ambitions to be one day, if not by an equal, Bayern's equal at least, you know, a real rival, a real competitor? And the de facto owner of the club, um, Dietrich Mateschitz, I think is, is ambitious and doesn't want to be just the number two in German football. So how you know steadfast will they be in their refusal? Will it come down to money? Will they just say to themselves, okay, we will say no, unless Bayern will pay a sum that is for managers so huge that we can somehow justify it. Um, in front of ourselves and to the to the squad uh, there is talk or loose talk I should say un, unsubstantiated talk about a 20 million euro fee that might make it easier for him to leave there is no release course or anything like that um, I still think there's a very good chance he'll go to Bayern simply because two out of the three parties want it to happen as far as I know but it's also not a foregone conclusion and Leipzig might well be so stubborn and, um, and, and dig in that Bayern have to look elsewhere. At which point the whole Hansi-Flick departure has a different dynamic because there's one thing losing Flick to gain Nagelsmann which is something I think that would be if not welcome then at least accepted in the dressing room. And among the fans, it's quite another if you lose Flick, who was the most successful buying coach in recent history, and then get only somebody else in as a caretaker, or I don't know, who, who's not nearly as exciting a name as Nagelsmann is. So a lot of pressure on the board, and especially on Hasan Sadi to get Nagelsmann in, to nail in, okay. if you will. Right.
2: Jürgen Klinsmann also mentioned in connection with the Spurs job. I imagine that that's not something seriously... Uh, in prospect
3: Um I, I don't know how closely Spurs have been following Jürgen Klinsmann's recent <laughs> uh, recent work in, in Germany at Hertha and before that in Munich uh, I mean I like him and I respect him for the work he's done with the German national team but I would not hire him to coach um, a team necessarily
2: OK well there is that vacancy in North London after Jose was released by Spurs just before The League Cup final initial reports romantically suggested that he'd responded to Spurs' evil ESL plans by mounting a one-man picket line at the training ground, but sadly that doesn't seem to have been the case anyway. We shall see. James, have you got any idea who's going to take over? Would it be an Italian manager?
4: Well, they've had the opportunity, I suppose, to go Italian before at Spurs. Um, Max Allegri was available when Jose Mourinho took the job, Um, so that would indicate that uh, they had another preference at the time. Um, Allegri was recently on uh, Sky Italia's sort of Sunday night roundup show, put his manifesto out there really about what his, uh, his football is all about. Uh, he's itching, I think, to get back in, but only the right job, which means uh, somewhere where he believes he can be, be competitive. And... Uh, I don't know. It's it's a little bit like with the the Bayern job and and Yulian Nagelsmann uh, in Italy. you Probably know there's going to be a couple of really good jobs available um, in the summer. I mean, not least for Allegri. I mean, the Juventus one might be be up again very soon. So so we'll have to see. But there's there are others out there. You know, Sarri, for example, will be serving out the final couple of months of his contract at Juventus. He's still uh, on the payroll there. Luciano Spalletti, I think, is a very very good coach who. Um, I suppose at the end of his time at Roma with Totti and any Icardi at Inter could do with a, uh, a quieter, uh, quieter next club. Um, but um, haven't got any hard information on that uh, as yet, James.
2: All right then. Well, despite the uh, tensions behind the scenes at Bayern, and despite the absence of Lewandowski, Bayern rolling on with a 3 2 win at Wolfsburg. Two goals for Jamal Muziala, who's now in. Uh, we well, set new records for, for scoring at a young age, Rafa.
3: Yeah, he's the youngest player to score six goals in the Bundesliga and he could have scored more. He was really outstanding uh, as a starter. A Kingsley Kormann uh, rested or, or starting on the bench. For so a Bayern team that's very thin, um, just as he is, but still very, very, very impressive um, on the ball, just underlining what a, what a huge talent he is and just how happy the German FA are that they've been able to secure services.
2: Bayern extending their lead at the top of the Bundesliga to seven points again because RB Leipzig meantime had a goalless draw with Hoffenheim Friday night in the top four race meanwhile. Borussia Dortmund now back to just four points off fourth, behind Frankfurt who did not have a good weekend. First Gladbach announced they're taking their manager Adi Hutter then Gladbach beat them and said manager 4-0 Rafa. Crikey.
3: Yeah, Gladbach were really good for the first time in, in ages and Frankfurt just I don't know, I just went, went on it. I don't know if you can really blame the announcement uh, from Hütter on that. But there is a sense that things will be difficult at Frankfurt, even if they make it top four, because Hütter is leaving. Freddy Bobic, the water director, is leaving. Team manager Bruno Hübner is leaving as well. And, you know, you look at the front three, Jovic, I think, is going to go back to Real Madrid. Maybe he will be sold somewhere else, but I don't think Frankfurt can afford him. Kostic has been the one guy that's wanting to go away and there is a suggestion that he has some kind of assurances that he can leave for the right offer and a similar story is true with uh, Andre Silva who of course has been absolutely sensational up front uh, that there is uh, some kind of agreement that will allow him to go for a fee maybe it's not a release clause but it is you know a figure that's affordable to clubs who might take an interest so I think things will be difficult and I think that might be the reason why Hütter uh, back in March during the international break decided to leave to, to Gladbach because if you look at the table it's, it looks like a strange move but maybe he realises that uh, he's taken this, this team as far as he can and things will might get worse even in the Champions League next year. Mm.
2: If, if they even make it that far Uh, Frankfurt because four points to margin Dortmund looking back in form with a 4-1 victory against Werder Bremen nice jerseys Rafa that they were wearing and a lovely brace from Erling Haaland ending his seven game goal uh, drought for club and country Archer and asking Erling about his goal drought afterwards Erling who's not not a desperately willing interviewee saying yes and the minutes are already running on my new goal drought
3: (laughs) Yeah, Dortmund looked good, uh, sartorially speaking, and uh, in terms of their footballing quality. Uh, Bremen, we have to take into account the quality of the position. Uh, opposition. Bremen are not, not really a, a good side, but still, uh, Dortmund having gone behind, came back very strongly and played with a sort of character and mentality that we all admired, uh, certainly in the first leg against City, where they, um, you know, really turned up for a change and there is a hope at Signal Iduna Park that over the next five games if they can continue to play to their strengths uh, with consistency, with focus that uh, fourth spot might not be beyond them after all and of course they can still win the German Cup so a really tricky tumultuous season that included Favre getting fired and all these sort of things might yet head for a happy end late on but they need to really find that consistency now that has eluded them over the last three years
2: OK four points to the margin five games to go the next round of matches is coming up uh, this midweek next up though we're going to head over
0: to Spain for that Copa del Rey final So it's the business end of the season and we need some results quickly welcome to the Liverpool Q2 offside let's brainstorm Hendo well, I spoke to HR and they got spare training and development budget how about a new training ground we tried that, it's too windy. Robbo. Uh, how about we reward good performances? Oh, no idea is a bad idea. Let's uh, let's take it offline, yeah? Trent. Well, Gareth won't pitch me. Oh, no. I need results, not excuses. Yes, Liverpool need results, but have they left it too late? Check out the Paddy Power site for the latest top four markets. Paddy Power. 18 plus, becumbleaware.org. and This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before?
2: On Apple Podcast, Spotify, smart speaker, and now ad-free on The Athletic. This is the Totally Football Show with James
3: Richardson.
0: Messi, Messi, Messi. La juga para De Jong. Oh. De Jong la torna para Messi. Messi la torna para De Jong. La tarjeta. La juga capa Messi. Que una gran jugada. Continúan cara al interior de <inaudible> la rataña. Venga, Sami Leo. <inaudible> Sami, me. ¡Gol! ¡Gol!
5: ¡Gol!
2: ¡Gol! ¡Gol! Barcelona taking on Athletic Club to Bilbao Alvaro, their second final in as many weeks. This one, a very one-sided affair, a 4-0 win for Barcelona. That third goal was like being out at a club and a DJ drops an 80s tune. It was just full of warm, nostalgic (laughs)
5: thrills. Yes, it did, because we all know that Lionel Messi has ended up turning into a very good attacking midfielder. But uh, he doesn't do those uh, running slaloms anymore, or he doesn't do them very often. And here it was a little bit of a revival of the old Messi. Yes, true. But I think that that goal uh, was very meaningful as well for Barcelona's future too. And i tell you why. Because for a couple of seasons, Lionel Messi has been looking for a partner that gave him that ball back so he could score that goal. And uh, Lionel Messi has been saying and has been hinting and leaking somehow that... You know, the team's quality has dropped dramatically since Neymar's departure. But this time he found a partner. He found uh, Frankie de Jong, a player who is playing fantastic this season in comparison to last, definitely. And, uh, you know, this is the kind of thing that may persuade Lionel Messi that there is no better future or better place to be than Barcelona at his age. With the family he's got, with three kids and a wife. And... uh, You know, for the money he makes there. I mean, because the new contract hasn't been signed, but Barcelona obviously will offer him something generous if they can. So I think that this kind of goal can help Lionel Messi think about his future a little bit more. I mean, he is very well surrounded now. Maybe Barcelona doesn't have enough to win the Champions League yet. Yes, of course. But uh, the likes of Pedri, De Jong, Mingueza, Araujo, new players coming up, they are showing quality as well. And this is very promising for Barcelona. Mm. That
2: 61 pass move... For uh, for one of the goals, for the fourth per- for the fourth goal, eighty three percent possession in the first half. It was it was very much like the Barcelona of, of old. Is it just because Athletic weren't very good, Alvaro, or has Kuman really unlocked the secret of this team?
5: I think Ronald Kuman has found a way. Uh, and at the beginning of the season, he seemed to be lost because he wanted to put into practice his way with the 4-2-3-1 that never worked. And then he switched to the 4-3-3, then to the three centre-backs. Uh, he's playing now. And he always says that if the opponent plays uh, with two strikers, he will he would prefer to use three centre-backs. So this is something that Barcelona has done in the past under Johan Cruyff every now and then. And Ronald Koeman is uh, recovering that template and it's working. But Athletic Club Bilbao, answering to your question, was really bad. Uh, Against Real Sociedad, they they were simply worse. But this time against Barcelona, uh, they were defensive, they were timid, they were even a little bit coward, I would say, because Barcelona has deficiencies still. And it was very disappointing, after all. I mean, I know that the level of hype wasn't the same as two weeks ago, because you've seen the videos of Bilbao two weeks ago, how people were parting, falling from uh, traffic lights and all that. Well, this time, there was nothing like that in Bilbao, unfortunately. And I think that that move in the city was what the team showed as well, as well this week in Sevilla. So it was a very... A very bad defeat for Athletic Club Bilbao. And also, I would say that he looks bad on the manager too, because he never found a way to really find the... He never found a way to hurt Barcelona.
2: Well, indeed. But
5: it was an exceptional
2: performance from Barcelona, and hopefully you enjoyed that. Now, meantime, La Liga rolled on, and interesting things at the top included Real Madrid dropping points at Getafe in a goalless draw, while Atletico Madrid won 5-0 against Ibar and Sevilla had a 2-1 victory at Athletics and Neighbours Real Sociedad. So now Atletia back to three points clear of Neighbours Real with a five-point gap down to Barca, who have, of course, a game in hand and Sevilla six points off the top. Atletico Madrid, that was vintage stuff from them as well.
5: Called the vouchery by Atletico de Madrid, without the strikers, by the way, because Luis Suárez wasn't there and the likes of Marcos Llorente and Correa stepped up, and uh, they scored a brace each, and Yannick Carrasco scored another goal. It was a very soothing win for Atletico de Madrid, because uh, that came at the back of very bad performances, so this win was very important for them. They were on a very bad track, uh, in a really bad uh, run, with uh, some very negative performances too, especially after the defeat against Chelsea in the Champions League. And I think that this puts Atletico in the right place again. Uh, they were very convincing and very nice to watch against a neighbor side, by the way. They are going to be relegated for the first time in their history because they, they have never been relegated from the top flight. I mean, they got promoted for the first time, I think, in 2013. And mm-hmm. ever since then, they have been in La Liga. But this time, they look very bad.
2: I see. Real Madrid, meantime, their goal is drawn a half. Is that because they ran out of players or what?
5: Yes, well, that is one of the explanations, of course. I mean, if you see how many absentees Real Madrid has, especially in the defensive department. I mean, Fernand Mendy was the last one to drop out from the squad. Uh, they are playing with uh, players from the academy like Trust uh, or Blanco that uh, in an ideal scenario, they wouldn't have a chance uh, to play at Real Madrid at this stage of the season in April. I think that uh, the draw against Getafe was even lucky for them because Thibaut Courtois had to do a couple of fantastic saves uh, and Getafe was about to score a couple of times. So, you know, uh, the best thing for Real Madrid right now is to recover players ASAP, Rafael Varane, maybe Carvajal, maybe, who knows, um, another striker or Sergio Ramos can come back soon. But the truth is that they look... uh, very trimmed down ahead of the Tiger against Chelsea and they cannot put or have a title race if they are playing with 15 or 14 players. That's pretty much impossible. But something has to be said and you know, James, that I defend Zinedine Zidane a lot always. But I think that he was very stubborn not playing more. Odegaard, Luka Jovic and now he's paying for that because those players have gone on loan and those players will be needed now.
2: Okay, well, Jules will be back next Tuesday and he can tell us in depth about what's turning out to be an exceptional title race, well a title race in Ligue 1, uh, which saw this weekend Lille, the leaders dropping points. They were held 1-1 by Montpellier, Paris Saint-Germain beat Saint-Etienne 3-2. Monaco, who've now lost just one of their last 21 games in all competitions, had a 3-0 victory away at Bordeaux, and they are now in third place, only two points off the top, so the top three separated by just two points, with Lyon in fourth, and it's Lyon who'll be taking on Lille next weekend so that's very exciting we'll get jules's thoughts on what happens in that game and so much more in next tuesday's show meanwhile though also really tight is city ad not so much the title race perhaps but beneath that the challenge for top four places for whatever that's worth in future will be coming up next with james horncastle
6: this episode is supported by fx's welcome to wrexham
0: This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast
2: Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pearce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. James, as you mentioned earlier, Agnelli started talking Super League so naturally Juventus went and lost
0: to their
2: rivals for a top position,
0: Atalanta.
5: There
4: was no Cristiano, uh, which was a blow. Uh, it was also a chance for Paolo Dybala to kind of really stand up and state his case uh, for Juventus to extend his contract, but he didn't really do all that much. Uh, I think Atalanta deserved their win at the end um, because uh, Duván Zapata had a had a header that just went wide. Uh, Malinowski, before his deflected shot went in, produced a really good save from Wojciech Shesny from a free kick. And, you know, I think we have to go back to the first year of Agnelli. Uh, Gigi Del Neri was the coach. Uh, people forget about this uh, to find uh, Juventus the last time when Juventus lost so many games at this stage of the season. They're now in real jeopardy of missing out on the Champions League. It kind of uh, helped, I suppose, that Napoli drew uh, with Inter later that night uh, rather than uh, won. But uh, again, uh, it does feel that uh, Pirlo is is hanging by a thread. And thankfully for him, Agnelli's got uh, lots of other things to think about right now.
2: Mm. Juve drop into fourth place. Napoli, two points behind them in fifth. And then behind them, you've got Lazio, who are a further two points back, but with a game in hand. Lazio, who were victorious in an eight-goal thriller, which pitted Simone against Pippo, the Inzaghi brothers, face-to-face. Wow.
4: Yeah, this was, again, um, just another example of why domestic football, yes, I suppose... Competitive balance is a bit of an issue, um, but you you still have games like this, which is just which were just magnificent. Churier um, Mobile scoring his 150th goal in in Serie a, um, snapping a kind of long drought in the league. Uh, Lazio have won nine games in a row now. You know, as you mentioned, they're really making this uh, top four race competitive. Um, still, some uncertainty around the the future of Simone Inzaghi, whether he's going to extend at uh, Lazio or not. We already mentioned that the Juventus job might be coming up. I think you know he is someone who's really proved himself capable of winning things on a on a quite tight budget. He's just got that winning mentality that uh, clubs like Juventus like. But also, I mean, Super Pippo, even though they didn't win this game uh, and they've they've kind of been drawn back into the the relegation battle, um, has impressed. Uh, himself so far this season to such an extent that it looks like he will be leaving Benevento at the end of the the campaign for for bigger and better things although it's unclear yet where his next destination might be so um but a a fantastic game another kind of thrilling one to go with the one that we mentioned at uh, the top of show between Cagliari and Parma
2: all right which has left Parma whopping 10 points off safety and surely destined for the drop unfortunately very sad to see them go back down. Roma getting beat 3-1 by Torino but the crucial thing was that on Thursday they had a 1-1 draw at home to Ajax which means that there is still and sentences like this already feel a little bit like an irrelevance but there is still an Italian side in Europe. They'll be taking on Man United in the Europa League semi-finals. Will it go better than their last visit to Old Trafford? Will it go better than their last Euro semi-final in England which of course took them to Anfield with predictably hilarious consequences. What do you think? Roma's chances against Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's side?
4: Well, I thought they were fortunate against Ajax um, in both games, really. Um, they, they they hung in there and they it got through against a good Ajax side, uh, one that won the Eredivisie this weekend. But I think they'll need more against United. I think United were particularly impressive in, in, in the games against Milan. Um, I thought they were a bit lucky themselves. Um, to to get through in 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 that encounter, but everything's riding on the Europa League for for Roma. Um, you know, you mentioned the defeat to Torino uh, on on Sunday. Uh, you know, very disappointing to take the lead and lose three one. Um, you know, Torino. Yeah, uh, you know, we were mentioning the relegation battle with Kelly and Parma. That's that's Torino's win makes it even well. It's practically impossible now for Parma to stay up. But uh, yeah, Fonseca, for example. Yeah, I think even if they were to win the Europa League, um, or if they were to get into the top four, I think he he might walk away. I, I think that there's, it, it's it's a very peculiar situation at Roma, where you've you've had uh, you've got a new owner who's come in, inherited the coach, backed the coach, um, but maybe wants to put their own stamp on things. You've got um, this sort of clash of personalities between Fonseca and, and Edin Dzeko. And they've just about held it together to get where they are in the Europa League, um, but um, you know, really, they need to win that to, I suppose, have a, a bit of a transformative effect on the club's fortunes. Because um, given the losses that they've made, and given that they haven't been invited to the European Super League, they, um, they they could do with the influx of money from from being in a in a European competition.
3: Indeed,
2: so the other semi-final. In that European competition, Alvaro will pit Villarreal, Unai Emery's Villarreal, against one of the 12 best teams in Europe.
5: Supposedly, yeah, with the Spurs, James. Yep. What do you mean? Uh, nothing. I think that the last time Spurs won uh, won a league title, uh, TV was in black and white to start with. Right. <sighs> am, am I right? Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think at Villarreal, the they are coming into this stage of the season looking dangerously. Uh, they look dangerous. Um, I believe that Arsenal has more firepower than them, but maybe they don't have at the minute any striker who is as prolific as Gerard Moreno, who is basically scoring goals every single weekend And uh, against Levante this weekend. He scored a beautiful one as well, just uh, dribbling past a defender, you know, as if he was uh, the kid next door. Uh, I think that... Uh, Emery knows uh, how to win this competition. He is doing the rotations at the right time. For example, from the team that played against uh, Dinamo Zagreb on Thursday, there were five changes uh, for the game against Levante. And the team wasn't particularly fatigued. So he has managed to, to get to this stage of the season in a very good form. And there are a couple of players that front there at Villarreal uh, who mean business as well. One of them, Paco Alcácer, You know him very well. And uh, what about Samu Chukweze, the Nigerian player who is little by little becoming a really, really interesting prospect
2: too? Right. As you say, Unai Emery knows how to win the Europa League. He also knows how to get a bad performance out of Arsenal. So you'd be a fool really to bet against Villarreal in this one. All right, well, that'll be coming up, of course, next midweek. We'll be looking ahead to that game and what we hope will be the European clashes in the Champions League as well in our next edition. Who knows what football stories we'll be talking about as well by then as Julian returns to the uh, Totally Football Show next Tuesday. For now, though, that brings us to the end of today's show. Keep across all our podcasts from Totally and The Athletic for the, the latest on all these breaking stories. But for now, it's many, many thanks to Alvaro Mayo, to Raphael Honigstein and James Horncastle, Pedro Pinto from Montrux, and producer Charlie and you listener thanks we'll be back with you soon from all of us here it's goodbye you've been listening to the Totally Football Show part of the Athletic Podcast Network keep up to date with everything totally at thetotallyfootballshow.com and follow us at thetotallyshow on Twitter and Insta check out all of the Athletic's football podcasts on Apple Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app the Totally Football Show
4: is a Muddy Knees Media production and sponsored by Paddy Power
6: Brought to your ears by The Athletic, I'm Adam Hurry and Football Clichés is the podcast you never knew you needed. Every week, to quite unnecessary depth, we examine the words, the phrases, the accepted wisdom, the mannerisms, the habits, the gestures, the symbols, the sounds and the smells that everyone takes for granted in football, but which really are the glorious glue that holds it all together. For example, have you ever really listened to the Football League Goals Roundups? I mean, really listened to them? Because they all sound pretty much like this. Team X went into this game with just one win in their last 13, and when Team Y took the lead inside four minutes at Stadium Z, the home fans were probably starting to fear the worst. But Striker A had other ideas, and this game turned on its head in the space of five minutes midway through the second half. First a smart finish from the edge of the box brought Team X level, and he repeated the trick on the hour mark to bring his tally for the season to 22. By now, Team X were in the mood and although striker A squandered a guilt-edge chance to complete his hat-trick, on-loan Dutchman winger B made it three with a curling effort from long range. Team Y's misery was compounded in stoppage time when midfielder C's late challenge on fullback D saw them reduced to ten men. An afternoon to forget for manager E's men then, but Team X will hope they have finally turned a corner under caretaker boss manager F. Listen to Football Clichés wherever you get your podcasts and also ad-free when you subscribe to The Athletic.
3: The Athletic.